Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out, as always, at the beautiful studios of Relate365.com. On the campus of Silver Birch Ranch in the beautiful Northwoods of Wisconsin. We enjoy hanging out and having discussions. If you haven't ever joined us, thank you for joining us today. I encourage you to head over to Relate365.com. Where you can check out uh, just the ministry of Relate365. Um, it's kind of a connected to Silver Ranch in ways, but we do a lot of things on the radio and podcasts and all that. So I encourage you to check out the resources because we have a lot of conversations on there that you can listen to, be challenged, or even just kind of dazzle yep. your thoughts. Dazzle isn't the right word, but uh, hopefully, well, you could dazzle thoughts. That's I mean, that's true. good. You got to stimulate your thoughts somehow. Stimulate. That's the word I was looking for. You ever like talk and you're like reaching for the word, reaching for that word, and it never comes, and so then you just go blah. Absolutely. I, oftentimes I'm doing it and my wife will give me the word I'm looking It just for. goes to show you that this show is not scripted. No, it's not. No, so. it's not. It, you know, hopefully it's useful. We'd love to hear from you. Go to Relate365.com. You can communicate to us through that website. Yeah, and we, you or, know what? We actually have requests that you eat a peep on the show. Oh, I can't do that. No? I can't do that. Why? Because that's like the grossest thing in the world. Grossest? Grossest. Like nothing, nothing worse than no, that? No, there isn't. Okay, so I, I could find something that you would eat. It, it, other as long than as a, it's peep? Not a peep? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you're going to be eating lutefisk soon, or I, lutefisk. I don't know. I, I don't think. Why? Who has to join for us to do that? No, it, it, it's so with Silver Ridge Ranch, you have a YouTube channel. Okay. And once we hit 1,000 views, you said you would eat lutefisk. 1,000 followers or views? Followers, sorry. So how, how many do we have? Uh, I actually haven't checked in a while, so you could have been eating lutefisk Uh-oh. like a year ago. We're at 919, so we're close. Yeah, so you don't have to go be a follower because if you do, I might have to eat lutefisk. That's right, which would be good, tasty yeah. and delicious. Actually, I told my dear wife I wanted to eat lutefisk for Christmas because that's our you know, heritage. heritage. And she just rolled her eyes at me. Really? Yeah, so I'm not sure she's into it. Well, she allows you to eat pickled herring. She does, and she allows me to eat a lot of things that she won't eat. But in the same idea... Um, I do understand. Lutefisk has a really unique history and a really unique smell. Yes. So, you know, you got to get over the history and the smell of it all, and you might be able to eat it. So I do want to do it at some point in my life, so you might be doing me a favor. Didn't you say, you're like, after you found your, like, history, that you were actually, like, Scottish or something? No, you know what? They've revised it. <laughs> really? They can revise it? Yeah, so for a while I thought I was Irish. So what if you like totally transformed your life based on your results? And I now almost they come did. Back I, w- say, I, was, I was online looking at kilts, and I thought, man, if you're Irish, you got to have a kilt, yeah. you know. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what kilt my legs would look good in. Yeah. And really, none of them uh, worked. Uh, yeah. I didn't really order any, and I, I guess, honestly, didn't really look that much. Okay. However, I'm not Irish, so I don't have to deal with it anymore. So what did they correct you to be? I'm more Swedish now, more more Danish, uh, Swedish, Norwegian. Oh, yeah. You know what though? I mean, those 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 things are interesting because when I look at it, it's like. So you made a princess cake for nothing? No, no, no. Princess cake is Norwegian. Oh, that's or, or Nor- Swedish. Swedish. That's still good. Oh, okay. Yeah, the princess tartar cake. Man, couldn't couldn't you have found out that news after you had like haggis or something? No, I couldn't. I don't even know what that is. What you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm glad. I thought I was all Scandinavian. But if you go back far enough, I mean, you go back far enough on any of those lineage things, mm-hmm. you, you end up coming like from Germany anyway. So I, it's like, I don't know how far you go back and say my German sure. or my... Speckenly Deutsch? Yeah, I don't know. 
No. No, I don't. But today, I want to ask you, I mean, you have young children in your home. I do. And if I could give you some advice, one of the things I would say is in all relationships, um, they don't last forever. That's true. Well. And not the way they are right now. True. That statement is true. No. I mean, um, yes, you should be married and, and be committed to that your whole life. Yes. It should be. You will be your whole life um, your parent to your children. That will that will happen. But the truth is that things happen in life where a spouse could die, a yeah. child could actually die. Mm-hmm. Uh, things change in life. Yeah. You can't help. You can't make things stay the same. And you can't predict things the same. No, the same. And, and people grow and they change and they think differently and they, you know, so what you want to do in relationships, especially when young people are growing up in your home, mm-hmm. you want to be able to look at them and say, here's the things I would love for them to know before they leave the home. Yeah. And and if you have a, a, a list where you could look at it, you and your wife can just look at it. Then when the opportunities come to teach those things, you'll be ready to teach them. And you won't be at the last minute saying, hey, before you leave for college, I've got 14 things i got to tell you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's not going to work. No? No. <laughs> no. So what you want to do is kind of integrate learning into your life. Yeah. And I would say that for anybody, whether you have kids or not, you integrate learning into your life. Get used to asking good questions. Yeah. So if somebody comes to you and says, you know, I believe this, ask them, why do you believe that? Where do you get that from? If somebody says the Bible says something, can you, you know, ask them, can you show me where it says that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think get in the habit of being a good questioner. But there's this, this I, I assume it's a lady who wrote this. Natasha, Na- yeah. Natasha Crane. She wrote something. It's uh, found at the website Christian Mom Thoughts. And I am not a Christian mom. I'm a Christian dad. But she basically wrote an article that said 60 faith questions I hope to answer before my kids leave the home. And I thought, okay, these, these are interesting. And I think that it stimulated my thought in thinking, all right, if I had a list of questions that I wanted to make sure a young person understood, whether I'm working in a youth club or whether I, I'm raising kids at home or whatever it might be, what would the questions look like? And how do I teach them yeah. those things? So number one, she, she begins with the Bible and she says, what role, what what should the role of the Bible be in a Christian's life? Hmm. She wants to teach that. Yeah. How do you teach that? Uh, Why well, I would say that one's a that one you can start teaching young. Absolutely. You know, I mean, already I'm reading Bible stories to my boys. You know, and 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 even deciphering between a Bible story and a story. Right. You know, and it's funny because that actually came up about a week ago. Because uh, I was explaining, uh, my brother, uh, my brother, my son came home with a library book from school about fossils, and so he's looking through all this, and he's like, "Man, where do all these come from?" You know, and I explained to him like, "Well, a lot of the fossils that we have found, you know, came from when the flood happened." Right. You know, and Noah's Ark. He's like, "You mean that was real?" Well, yeah. You know, all the Bible stories that we read actually happened. You know. Um, and you can kind of see like it's solidified, like, you know, cause we have story time at nighttime. Right. And so you read a Bible story and you read like, you know, the bear snores on or whatever, right. <laughs> right. you know? And so, so there was an opportunity even so small to say, no, this is real. And so that little statement all of a sudden in his head reinforced a different category. Were you shocked ulti- when he said that? No. Okay. No, because, I wasn't because it, that's something you just. I mean, if if a child looks at you and thinks, "Oh, Noah wasn't true," you're you know you're immediate. If you're a conservative Christian person, yeah. your immediate thought might be, 
What? No. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. It, of course it was true. Right. But realize, you're right. I mean, if you're reading Goodnight Moon right next to... Right, David and Goliath. Right. You know, they're going to know, they're going to put him in the same category unless you eventually at some point tell him otherwise. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's when it goes to, I think that's very good. And so the role of the Bible, it's like, you know, it's almost baby steps, you know, and these are bigger questions that that, that um, this lady's Natasha's covering, but I think they're all great, Yeah. you know, because they're, they're concepts, you know, Absolutely. and so you need to understand like this reinforces, all right, the Bible's true, you know, so and then throw, when you know the yep. Bible's true, it's like, man, that means when David had the strength to trust in God, I can have the strength to trust in God. Right. And all of a sudden, it, it, it makes other connections possible to happen. So the other thing I could ask you is, okay, what role should the Bible be in our, our lives? Do your kids ever see you or your wife just reading the Bible? Yeah, we try to. Okay. Just seeing you do it? Yeah. Uh, picking up a Bible. I, I remember once when my daughter was in college, um, every once in a while she would send a paper to my wife to help her uh, proofread it or something. I'm not sure what it was. And uh, she was doing a paper on, I, I think, things that affected her, things she remembered about growing up that really affected her. Yeah. And one of the things that really stuck out to her in this paper, which, which really struck me, was the idea that every morning she could count on her dad being in a brown, lazy boy chair with a Bible open in his lap. Hmm. And I thought, that's what she remembers? Yeah. You know, I never thought that that was teaching anything. Yeah. Because I was just sitting, you know, I have my chair, and I was sitting in it, and I'd read in the morning. She'd get out of bed. I'd already be there with a cup of coffee, and I'd have the Bible open in my lap. Yeah. Well, that was an impact on her. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, um, I wonder what else I've taught her by not teaching her, you mm -hmm. know, by just doing something in life. Uh, but I was thankful that that was. So the role of the Bible, I think, I think your children or your your brothers or sisters or even other people can understand how important it was. When I was in high school, believe it or not, uh, high school was different, and I wouldn't suggest anybody do this. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Watch out. It's one of these stories. A disclaimer. But I was in Chicago Public School, and I was in a physics class, and in the physics class, it really was a dysfunctional physics class. But I, I was already teaching a Sunday school for um, eight-year-old boys, third, third grade boys. Yeah. And so... I needed a place to prepare my messages. These tables were big, and I would bring my, my books, and I would spread them out on this lab table, and I would do my Sunday school lessons. It, it's kind of, again, don't do that in school. That's probably not a good thing. But back then, what happened was there were so many people in that class who would come and talk to me about what I was doing. Yeah. And all I was able to say was, you know, here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to teach kids what the Bible says. Really? What are all these books? Oh, well, th this one helps me understand this. And it, it, it was... I'm making the Bible somewhat normal. Mm -hmm. I wasn't lecturing anybody on they needed to study the Bible. Yeah. I was just making it normal in my life. Right. And if they were my friends, it was like, oh, it's normal to him. I guess it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether that ever impacted anybody or not, for sure, I don't even know. Yeah. I, I do know that I did find in that class, and I got my Sunday school lesson done as well. So that's just the kind of class it was at that moment. Yeah. Uh, however, if you have people in your life that, that are your friends, people in your life that are your children, people in your life that are your siblings, I think that you need to make a statement as to the role that the Bible has before they get older and let them see that the Bible's important to you. Uh, second question she would ask um, is, how do you study the Bible beyond just reading it? Mm -hmm. So when, when do you 
teach somebody that the, uh, to do something with the Bible beyond reading it? I think it, it's the practical side of it. You know, I think one leads to the other, and it's, it's trying to show that. Okay. You know, almost like what you were doing. You make it part of your everyday life. Good. Yep. You know, and, and so I, I think eventually there's that step where it just naturally progresses into that. Yeah. I think, too, you know, I I think you should be good at asking questions and not giving answers. Yeah. For example, uh, God, uh, let's go to Noah. Yeah. God God told Noah to build this boat in the mountain. Yep. So if I have a young person in my life, I'm going to say, can you imagine being told at uh, 500 years old, I want you to build a boat in a mountain and have no way to move it to the sea? That's just hard for me to imagine. And then I would go away. Yeah. In other words, I, I really want them to think about it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, if they don't bring it up again, I'm going to bring it up because mm-hmm. I want to know where their thinking is going. Because I want them to see this This was interesting. God asked Noah to do something that probably didn't make sense to anybody. So why did he do it is my question. Yeah. And I think even someone your son's age in kindergarten can grapple with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think all the details he needs to grapple with, but the idea, you know, that God might ask you to do something and you may not understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love having kids repeat things to me. Yeah. Um, so uh, when I taught school, I did it. When I teach a youth club now in town, I still do it. I mean, I will walk in and I will tell, I will ask the group just as a whole group, do you have to understand God for him to be God? And they will all scream back, no. <laughs> So that's the point I want him to get. Right. You know, I mean, God is beyond your understanding. I just want you to know that. Yeah. So later in life, when somebody says, I don't understand it, they already go, well, you don't have to understand God for him to be God. Yeah. That's all I want him to get. You know, so it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so I encourage you, if you're working with young people, ask them those questions where they have to give you a response mm-hmm. um, because it will help them down the road. Um, uh, the stuff I did in class, I probably mentioned it here on this program before, but um, it w- I was in a very conservative school when I taught. It was a Jewish school, and yeah, it was public, but mostly everyone there was uh, Jewish hmm. in that neighborhood. And so they were pretty conservative in their political beliefs, actually. They were pretty conservative. Like, you know, they were anti-abortion, Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So I would ask them, I said, so who made abortion legal? You know, that was my question, and I was quiet, and they would all— well, the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. Now I would ask him the next question. So is the Supreme Court supreme? And they'd say, no. No, that belongs to God, doesn't it? Yep. So I would walk in my classroom and I'd say the Supreme Court, and they would all shout back, is not supreme. <laughs> Until my principal made me stop. Oh. Uh, because I wasn't showing disrespect. Yeah. What I was doing was saying, you know what, there's always a, a higher authority here, and I want you to understand that. Yeah. I may not be able to preach to you, I may not be able to do anything else, but it's not the Supreme Court that decides what's right and wrong in the heart of man. Mm-hmm. It's God. Yeah. So I have them repeat that when I walked in a, in a classroom. Um, I used to do the same thing with, um, I wanted to teach them that the majority isn't necessarily right. Mm-hmm. So if I walked in the classroom, I would, I would say, the majority, I would just look at them and say that loudly. And no, a lot of times, you know, working with kids, it's to quiet them down. 
You know, I mean, at this point, they're all That's noisy, right. and I need them to all stop and answer me and just be quiet when they're done. Yeah. So it was my tactic of quieting them down. But I would come in and say, the majority, and they would all shout back, is just the majority. Mm-hmm. That's all. And I said, right. And then I go on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, because, again, I was trying to teach them something, that a majority of people are not necessarily right. Right. They're just a lot of people. And I think if you are involved with children in any level, getting the idea of just saying some of these things that dismantle um, error is important. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily teaching all the truth all the time because mm-hmm. they may not be able to get it. Yeah. Um, as you know, and you've heard me say this a lot to kids, You know, I, I'll come in and ask a kid, is God older than you? Yes. Remember that. That's all I'll tell them. Yeah, I'm getting to a point later. Yeah. Is he smarter than you? Yes. Does he love you? Yes. Okay. I'm going to follow it up someday by telling you all three of those things and saying you can trust him. Yeah. You know, God's older than you, smarter than you, trust you. You've heard me say it to kids a lot. It's They listen to it. And I've had kids come back to me who are in their, you know, 30 years old and say, you know what I remember? God's older than me and smarter than me and loves me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Oh, totally. You know, and it's just because you make them say it. Mm-hmm. or ask them questions. So I think you can get children or anybody in your life, youth worker, youth kids, to learn that you don't just read the Bible like you do a Sports Illustrated. And you can get them to understand concepts at a very young age by looking at concepts that they could understand mm-hmm. and that dismantle error down the road and have them repeat it. Yeah. And then when it comes later, that it'll just come out of them because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, I've heard this. So somebody, especially in science, when they say, well, I can't understand how this happened, they're immediately saying, you don't have to understand God for him to be God. Right. Well, you just dismantle like a whole field out there that mm-hmm. basically is going to try and sway them down the road. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know how you can apply that to your kindergartner, but that I think there are some things there that you could do. Um, another question she asked, what does it mean for the Bible to be inspired uh, versus inerrant or other views? What, what in the world? Why is the Bible even something we should listen to? How would you answer a young person that? Yeah, I think it's, it's important for them to know that the Bible is true, you know, and to go through the process of why it's true versus other things that aren't true. Right. You know, um, because then they know that they can trust it. You know, and and to be able to learn that before they go out of the house, I think is crucial because more and more, you know, you start questioning truth versus not truth. Well, how do you start, though? Because, you're, you know, like your son is in kindergarten. He's not yeah. really worried about inerrancy. Right. Right. He's got a relationship with you and your wife. Right. So if you sit there and tell him the Bible is the word of God it is something where God speaks to us through, then he's got it from you. Right. You're the one that he trusts. You're the one that he loves. He's got that from you. Mm-hmm. I think before he leaves the house at some point, you might have to do a better explanation than that. Right. But at this age, that's enough. That's enough. Right. And I think you're always looking for that down the road. And he's going to, at least for now, he's going to trust the fact that you said it. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to have to maybe even guess down the road if he starts wondering about that. Yeah. 
and and ask God to give you wisdom to dig it out of him if he's starting to say, I don't know if it's inerrant, but he's probably going to be more in high school. Right. Uh, at that for point. that one, yeah, yeah, for sure. Than anything else, so kind of kind of an interesting thing as it goes along. Uh, we, they might wonder, and I think it's a good thing. What is the difference, the relationship between the Old and New Testament? I mean, what what is it? Mm-hmm. How come there's two parts to the Bible? I think that's a pretty easy answer, actually, and it, you do that very young. So yeah. Um, I, the question I think there's some other questions that I think are really. Can everybody, and, and I've answered this with my class, if you've listened, but can everybody be wrong? Can, can people all get together and believe something and it be wrong? Because that's what they'll struggle with the most. Hmm. Somehow from an early age, you've got to distinguish that with them. Right. That people are not the ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. And how you do that is going to be different, I'm sure, but... In America especially, when we believe that the majority, and they'll even say this, the majority is right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we got to stop that. Right. That doesn't mean it's true or right. No. Just because it's majority. No, and somehow um, you got to get through it. That, then she goes on, she talks about prayer. How often, like, if, when somebody, does, do your kids ever hear you or see you pray? Mm-hmm. Yep, on a daily basis. Um do they ever wonder about it, what it is? Um, uh, they ask questions, you know. So he, he, my my oldest son, he's like, how come I can never hear God talk back? Okay, good. Which is a good question. It's a very good question. You know, so he's thinking it through, you know. And, you know, so, and yeah. so then that opens up the door on how do you explain that, you know. Yeah. And I would suggest that if your children aren't answering, a- asking those questions, that you ask them for them. Yeah. Um, because sometimes, again, they, they love you, they respect you, so they're they're looking at you thinking, okay, they're praying, but I wonder how God speaks to them. Yeah. I'm not going to ask because I don't want to sound dumb and I don't want to... No, so you might look at them sometime and go, do you ever wonder how God speaks to me? Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear me speak to him. So you give them the opportunity to ask that question. Yeah. Because they may not otherwise. I mean, how many questions have you not asked in life because you don't want to bother somebody or hurt their feelings or make them, or make yourself look dumb? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Most of the time, it's you don't want to make yourself look dumb. Mm-hmm. So, what if your kids, as they grow up in the home, what would they, what would they actually say is the purpose of prayer? What do you pray about? You know, that's something that we're that we're teaching. You know, and and it's it's in what you pray and how and how you pray you know, I think help leads to that. I mean, if you just pray at meals, well, then they might grow up just thinking that prayer is thanking God for a meal. Right. You know, and so as they get older, we try to introduce more things in the way that we pray with them about, and then we have them pray, you know. So, I mean, sure, they pray for people, for things, and all that sort of stuff, but then even it goes beyond that. You know, when you when things happen in life, you don't understand it, you yeah. know. Um, what, how, what would you... Uh, tell a, a child is the role of prayer I mean when you pray to God and yeah. you want him to answer something and he doesn't answer it do you ever talk to your kids about that mm-hmm. so what do you say to somebody when you say because they're looking at saying okay you pray to God yeah why do you pray if it doesn't work because then it, I mean it's a, it's always a learning moment Okay. So it might not work in the way that I so thought it should have worked, but 
but it doesn't mean it didn't work. Yeah. But what, what moment in life can you point to that explains to them on a human level what you're talking about? You know, well, I mean, at this point in this stage, things that, that I think of is even like sickness. Okay. You know, you always, like, especially wintertime, people get sick, you know, their brothers get sick and it's like, you know, we pray for their cough to go away. Right. And yet it lasts for another week. Yeah. You know, and so you, part of it is realizing that, you know, God is in control. Yep. You know, yes, a cough is a cough. It doesn't mean that he's going to heal. He does God have the power to heal? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that he's going to do that every time. No. Do your kids ever ask you for something if you're at a store? Yeah. Do you, do you ever say no? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I think it's a great time to teach a kid about prayer. Right. Right there, I think. you Because know, if you can turn the table on that one, right. I mean, in other words, if you can look at them and say, you know what, that's like when you ask God for something, what you realize you asked me because you know I love you and that I can give this to you. Right. I'm saying no because I love you. Right. But I really want it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't I'm saying matter. no. And and so I think you can use those moments yeah, to actually absolutely. instill like a understanding of prayer a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's not that I'm trying to overpower you or anything else. It's just I'm your dad. You don't doubt that I love you. I do love you. I'm saying no. And right now you're having a fit about it. Yeah. And you might even accuse me of not loving you. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you might do that. And what I am trying to do is get a point across to him. That's it. Yeah. At this point. So I would encourage people to look for those moments. Um, as a teacher, the thing that we always try to strive towards is the teachable moment. Mm, yeah. Uh, you don't get those every day, by the way. You don't, even as a teacher. You're looking for that moment where there's a light that goes on in front of, in, in, on top of it, and you go, he's ready to learn or she's ready to learn right now. And, right. and you need to take advantage of that moment because it's the window is, is really open very short. Briefly. Yeah, that's it. it and so you need to take advantage of it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm encouraging, you know, you, other parents, siblings, youth workers, you know, look for those teachable moments. Don't, uh, don't waste them. They're the most precious thing you'll ever have mm-hmm. uh, in that, that time. I call them aha moments. Uh, aha moments, teachable moments. You know, I, I remember a young uh, girl that grew up in our youth work, and she was, became a leader. And she, one day I, I was just suspecting some things at home weren't right and i started to ask her and i it was just right mm-hmm. you know it was the moment where she was leaving uh, to go to high school yeah and the moment was right she was wondering about certain things in life and boy i'm telling you i think it changed the course of her life that day mm. and it was a moment yeah um and i pray that that our that the, those that are listening are very sensitive to the spirit and looking for those moments and being faithful in the moments, because a lot of times you might not feel like actually uh, putting forth the effort of actually answering, because it takes a little more effort. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you're looking at somebody thinking, you know what, I, I'm really, I'd rather just sit here now and sip my iced tea. And I have to go into a longer explanation with you. I don't want to. But take the time to go through it, because it's the teachable moment that you may never get again. Right, right. And that could be the opportunity that you have to show them and teach them how it could be. Other than that, they could just close themselves off and never have that chance to ask a question again or be open to the question. Absolutely. So, you know, I think this is this is a great discussion, you know, because as parents, I think it's always important to be mindful of the things that, that, that we want them to learn. Because here's the thing is, is it's not just going to happen. You know, when it comes to learning, you have to be intentional. 
um, especially when it comes to truth and biblical truth, and you want to pass that along. I mean, some things they'll pick up by observing, but then other things you'll have to look for the moments, like Dave talked about, to share that. And so I just encourage you to think about even as a parent what you're doing, and, and, and always know it's never too late to start. Um, to start having conversations and be like, well, we, I can't talk with my son or daughter like that. Well, start, try. Yep. Um, but unfortunately, that's all the time we have on our show for today. I encourage you to head over to Relate365.com to check out this podcast and others. This is Jason and Dave here on Younger and Older. Take care, and we'll see you next time.